Hey, finance folk. Welcome to the EU Finance Podcast. My name is Leithas Polobinskas, and today we're going to be talking about reforming the EU's Banking Crisis Management and Deposit Insurance, CMDI, framework within the EU's banking union. Wait a second. Didn't the EU already do a whole thing on banking crisis management after the financial crisis? The answer is yes. Yes, it did. And it worked. The banking sector in the EU is much more resilient now. Financial institutions in the EU are well-capitalized, highly liquid, and closely supervised. But like every machine, maintenance is necessary to keep the machine running well. I've asked Andrea Beltramello, the head of the Commission's Resolution and Deposit Insurance Unit, to the podcast to give us an update on what the EU is doing to keep the banking system humming along. There's a link to even more information in the show notes, but now I'm resolved to get to managing this. See what I did there? Here we go. Greetings and salutations, Andrea. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Aidas. Thanks for having me. Like I like to tell the, the the listeners, I'm definitely not not an expert on this stuff. So so let's start with a very very basic question: What is the banking union, and why does it matter? Well, that is a 26 trillion euro question. Now I'm giving you this very precise figure uh, because this is the amount of money that European banks lent to people and businesses in one single year. I think it was 2021, if I'm not mistaken. I can also give you another figure, 16.5 trillion euros, which is the amount of savings that people and businesses have in European banks' Uh deposits. Yeah, that is a lot of money. And it gives an idea on how important banks are for the financial well-being of European people and of European businesses and for the broader economy. It also gives you an idea on how important it is to keep our banks safe and stable. And this is what the banking union is all about. It's a set of common rules and institutions that ensure that everything runs smoothly in the European banking sector. Now, we often say that there are three elements to the banking union, that it is based on three pillars, if you want. The first is how banks are watched over. So that is supervision. Mm -hmm. The second is about how we fix problems in banks, that is called resolution. And the third is about how people's savings in banks should be protected. That is deposit insurance. So why does all of this matter? Well, imagine if each country had its own way of dealing with banks. And one country's banks get into trouble. That trouble could spread to other banks in other countries. Contagion. Contagion, Mm -hmm. exactly. And that will cause a big mess. But with the banking union, we all join forces to keep an eye on the banks, to fix problems in the banks in a joint organized way, and we make sure the people's savings are safer. Now, on the first pillar, on supervision, we made very good progress. On the second pillar, resolution, 
we also made good progress, but we can make it better. And on the third pillar, deposit insurance, we made some progress, but we're still missing one single system to deal with deposit insurance. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys did all of this after the financial crisis, right? right. I mean, like the banking union, that's 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 when it started. Exactly. So, And I understand that you guys have recently uh, put forward uh, a proposal, um, uh, which I guess you're 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 gonna you're gonna uh, delve into a little bit. But what what why the proposal? What I mean, hasn't this already been done? We already have bank crisis management, and we already have the deposit insurance network, don't we? Yes, you are correct. Uh, we already have rules for handling bank failures and to protect depositors uh, in case there is a there is a problem with the bank. But we can make these rules better. This is actually what the EU finance ministers asked the commission to do in June last year. And so the commission took up the challenge. And in April of this year, we came forward with proposals to reform the EU bank crisis management and deposit insurance framework or CMDI to use an acronym. You know, we're very fond of acronyms <laughs> in the European Commission. Now, you may notice that the Commission came forward with this uh, proposal, with this reform, just a few weeks after some banks failed in the United States and in Switzerland. But I want to make it clear that our reform was not in response to those crises. Actually, it had been in the oven since long before those events. But those events did remind us of how important it is to have effective tools to deal with failing banks, irrespective of the size and the business model of those failing banks. I'm insisting on the size aspect because in the EU, we have not used the tools that we have to deal with failing banks to the extent that we could have. And this is particularly the case for medium-sized banks. Oh. Right. So not the largest banks, not the smallest banks, but those that are, let's say, a bit in between. So to fix that, we propose to make sure that a few more medium-sized banks can be put into resolution. Because this can be a more effective, a less disruptive way to deal with failing banks than liquidating them in normal insolvency, okay. normal bankruptcy proceedings. Can, can, can you just give me a quick explanation of the difference between resolution and liquidation? Absolutely. Resolution means restructuring the bank so that you can preserve its critical functions, such as ensuring access to people's deposits and loans to SMEs, which is a more effective way, which can be a more effective way to deal with the bank in trouble than just liquidating a bank and making it just fail. Mm. Because in this way, for example, you can transfer the good chunks of a failing bank to a healthy bank. And in this way, people will wake up the following morning and still have access to their bank accounts without interruption. And SMEs will still have access to their loans without having to, for example, cut down on some of their operations. So resolution can be 
less costly, more effective, less disruptive than just liquidation for a filling bank. So authorities will be able to choose between resolution and liquidation. Mm -hmm. It's their choice. What we want to do is to set criteria to frame that choice. So to make sure that the conditions are right to choose resolution when this is in the public interest. Let me also emphasize that with our reform, national authorities will continue to have a broad set of tools available to them, also outside of resolution, if they need to deal with failing banks. So our reform in that sense fully takes into account the specificities of national banking sectors in the EU. We are not coming with the big harmonization hammer, if you want. Next to the scope of resolution, there is another important element that we need to fix, which is who pays? How do we pay for failing banks? And here the problem is that too often we have seen in the past that governments have used taxpayers' money to deal with banks' failures, and that is a problem. But you may ask, if we don't use public money, who should pay then? Well, the cost of fixing the mess should ideally be covered by the stakeholders of the bank. So, for example, those who own shares in a bank, those who lend money to a bank, and the funds that the bank itself has set aside to deal with the possible crisis. Kind of like any normal business. Exactly. And in principle, this money should be enough. But in cases when this is not enough, then other banks should pay for that failing banks, just not the taxpayers. And this means that we should rely more on industry-funded safety nets that we already have, like national deposit guarantee schemes, like the single resolution fund at European level. These are funds to which all European banks contribute to. They all pay Mm -hmm. into these funds. So here we're talking about 130 billion euros, which are not always used in the best way or not used at all. Now, the primary function of national deposit guarantee funds is and will remain to make sure that deposits are paid up to a guaranteed level of 100,000 euros. Don't we already have that? Exactly. So this will stay. This Mm -hmm. will not change. But we want to make it easier to use those funds in alternative ways when this can be more efficient, when this can be cheaper than just paying the depositors after the bank has failed. Got it. Um, I always like to ask, uh, uh, I I guess it's a question that most people think about when it comes to legislation and um, um, is basically who benefits? Who's who's getting the benefit of of your proposal? I mean, in in your explanation just now, I I, I heard obviously the taxpayers seems like they're going to benefit because then taxes aren't going to be used to pay for this. But who else is going to benefit? Well, the simple answer is everybody. Uh, Because we are all taxpayers, we are all uh, having bank deposits, and we all have an interest in making sure that the banking system is safe and stable. Um, But let me unpack it. Mm -hmm. Well, as you said, the taxpayers, indeed, uh, I want to stress that because they will no longer be on the hook to foot the bill in case of a bank failure. And 
public money can then be put to better uses, like uh, spending on public healthcare, public education, instead of spending mm. that money on a failing bank. Exactly. Right? Then depositors. Um, so as we just said, um, depositors are already uh, guaranteed up to 100,000 euros, and that's per depositor per bank. This will remain. And actually, we are increasing the protection. So yeah, so for example, we are extending this protection to some public entities like schools, uh, hospitals, municipalities for the deposits that they hold uh, in banks. And finally, the banks themselves will benefit because they will benefit from a more effective crisis management system in case they get into trouble. And also because we can avoid that if one bank fails, contagion, as we said before, will spread to other banks. So in a nutshell, we all benefit from ensuring that the banking system is safe and that banks can continue to lend safely to people and businesses and that savings that are held in banks are well protected. Got it. Another one of the questions that I always ask, and it's 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 um, not always uh, satisfying to hear the answer, but it it is important um, because it, it usually sounds like maybe I'm blaming the legislators a little bit. Um, uh, where are we with this proposal? Um, uh, how long is it going to take to 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 for it to come into effect, or um, what happens next? Well, I'm afraid I will not be able to give you a better answer <laughs> than you usually get. Um, as I said, we made our proposal uh, in April this year. Now it is in the hands of the European Parliament and of the Council of the European Union, meaning the uh, member states. So both Parliament and Council are working separately to agree on their respective positions and what the Commission proposed. And we Commission are working with them, uh, supporting them in those efforts. So what happens next? Once both Parliament and Council uh, will have agreed on their respective positions, they will get together also with the European Commission to discuss, negotiate and find a compromise on the final rules. When will that happen? I don't know, uh, but I hope very soon. And not only because this reform is important in itself, but also because we think that with this reform, if it is successful, we will pave the way for more progress on completing the banking union, including by bringing about a European deposit insurance scheme. Yeah, I was actually, I was, uh, instead of ending with that last question, I, you, you just brought it up. Beyond this proposal, you, you just mentioned you've got the European deposit insurance scheme, EDIS, as, as I think it's referred to, on the horizon. Um, what's the difference? I mean, what, what, what is that? And, and, and why is the Commission pursuing that? Well, put very simply, the European Deposit Insurance Scheme, or EDIS, would be a system that protects people's money, bank deposits, but at the EU level instead of at the national level. So we already have funds guaranteeing depositors' money at national level, up to 100,000 euros. And EDIS will do the same, but at the European level. So it is like depositor protection on steroids, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> now, let me try to break down the benefits of EDIS. First, EDIS will bring benefits to people like you and me. 
because it's like having an extra layer of protection for your money in the bank. And this brings more confidence. If people know that there is a larger safety net at European level and that there is no risk that they will lose their 100,000 euros, then they will not panic because they know that EDIS will be there to step in in case of problem wherever they live in the European Union. So, as I said, there will be no panic, no bank runs, just more confidence in the system. Second, there will also be benefits for the banks because by pooling the contributions that banks already pay into a single fund, instead of many national funds, we will make it possible to lower the amounts that banks have to pay. We estimated that, that we could save 10 billion euros in what banks pay into these protection funds. That's a lot of money. And that will also help the competitiveness of European banks. Having a single fund would also make sure that there is fair, fair game uh, in the European banking market. And again, if one bank fails, this can have a domino effect on other banks. And EDIS would be a very effective way to stop those dominoes falling. Now, as you say, EDIS is still in the horizon. Uh, the European Commission proposed to create EDIS in 2015, so already eight years ago. But unfortunately, the European Parliament and the member states up to now have not been able to agree to EDIS. So there is one important element, one pillar of the banking union, which is still missing. And the European Commission believes that EDIS is as relevant today as it was proposed eight years ago. So we hope that we can make progress on this missing element and in this way complete the banking union. Understood. Andrea, thank you so much for coming in today and, and uh, teaching me about uh, the banking union, about uh, your proposal and about the future of uh, the deposit insurance system. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Okay, here's my takeaway. The EU banking system is in strong shape thanks to the unparalleled reforms put in place since the financial crisis. Our banks are now more robust and well-placed to withstand shocks. The EU is maintaining an effective system to ensure all failing banks can be handled more effectively and coherently should the need arise, to preserve financial stability, protect taxpayers' money, and improve depositor confidence. The lessons learned from working on the big banks are now being used to benefit medium banks, small banks, and their depositors. Good things all. And all being done proactively to keep the system working well and to protect EU citizens' money. If anybody wants to do a deep dive, there's more information in the link in the show notes. That wraps up another episode of the EU Finance Podcast. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Bye. Bye.